You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here, continuing our series, talking to educators from the NLC alum community. Stephen Almazan is here, a 2019 NLC LA fellow, former teacher, has worked in the education space in many different ways, and I'm sure has many thoughts on this complicated puzzle of reopening schools, which we've been chatting with guests about in the last week or so. So let's get to it. Thanks for tuning in. Stephen's up next. All right, Stephen, remind people what you, when you taught when you're in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, so I taught as a special education teacher uh, from kindergarten through eighth grade. So I, I taught at both an elementary and a middle school. So if you were still a classroom teacher at this point in the summer, we're about two weeks away from students, quote unquote, returning to school, what would be giving you the most anxiety right now? Prior to COVID? I would say just with the opening in general yeah knowing mm-hmm. that you'd have to open in this strange different context what would be gotcha. making you the gotcha. most anxious gotcha um well a lot of things but <laughs> i'd say the main concern is, would be the health uh of our students and the families and making sure that they had all the resources and supports needed to be successful and have a proper learning environment whether our school or school district has decided to do an in-person type of approach or um, hybrid model or online learning. Um, I think my main concern would be to ensure that our students have the, well, first their health, make sure that their families are okay. But at the, uh, the second point is to make sure that they have the resources needed to access education. And then how would you be thinking through building relationships with kids? Because I think that was something that we were able to rely on in the spring as we transitioned so quickly to distance learning. At least there was a school year almost worth of time that you had relationships with students, new families, all those things. This time it's very mm-hmm. different. You're, you're starting from, from scratch. How would you approach then building communities over Zoom boxes? That's a great question. Um, I would say prior to COVID, a lot of what I did was in coordination and conjunction with my team at my schools. So we were very intentional of having home visits for our newest students um, and making sure that we had that face-to-face interaction um, given uh, just to start that type of relationship building. Um, I mean, prior to COVID, it was so, there were so many small things that you can do um, as students get dropped off and get picked up uh, before and after school. Just make sure that you're able to say hi and check in with parents. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that with the current time um, in preparing for this school year, I would do everything that I can to make sure that all lines of communication are open um, and to ensure that we have access to our students, but also their parents or their caregivers um, and make sure that we have a set routine um, because at the end of the day, students love routine. Um, so whether that's in person or over email um, or over the phone, I think it's incredibly important to establish when you will be checking in with your students and make sure that they are okay and have everything they need. And there's been a lot of debate about what's the right amount of calibration between live teaching and teaching that maybe is recorded or assignments that are posted, let's say, in the morning and must be completed by the end of the day. How would you think through that challenge of finding that exact right balance between those multiple ways you could, quote unquote, teach so that students are engaged, but there's also an understanding that that their their days are very different, uh, their home lives are very different on, on what they may or may not be responsible for? How would you try to balance all that? 
honestly, I think it just depends on the students and the classrooms um, and really getting a sense of a baseline of where students are in terms of who has access to devices, who has access to broadband internet, um, who is most comfortable working independently for extended periods of time. Um, I think it's important to have a baseline of a certain number of minutes per day and per week of live instruction, um, as opposed to asynchronous instruction. Um, I was actually talking to my 12-year-old niece about this lot this past weekend um, and just picking her brain about what she wants <laughs> uh, this upcoming school year. Um, and she was just sharing how at the end of last year, um, it was difficult to engage with her peers and also ask questions to her teachers because there was limited, if not any type of uh, live instruction. Um, so what she shared with me and not to say that this is the case for every student, but I think this is a pretty good pulse is that being able to have the option to have live instruction so you can ask questions in the moment, being able to have the confidence and the guidance of how to ask questions over email or reaching out uh, through office hours that are available on a daily basis from teachers. Um, and just understanding that certain students work better. Some, some students actually work better if, if done remotely and other students are obviously suffering and struggling. Um, so it's really meeting students where they are, make sure that they have the proper resources, but also creating instructional plans and lesson plans that are specific to your kids regardless if it's a hybrid in-person or mixture of both. When we come back with Stephen, we'll talk a little bit more about this puzzle of reopening schools. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Stephen, one of the things I've been following with growing frustration is how families with means will be able to construct their own school pods Pods, I guess, is the phrase I hear the most often. I don't know if that will be the one that sticks. But yeah, essentially groups of, of well-off folks will yeah. pool their resources and hire private tutors or hire teachers and, and do their own thing and, and try to avoid learning loss that way. What's your reaction to that approach? How does that make you feel? <sighs> the pod-demic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's frustrating, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Um, I think this is the current day version of school segregation, um, but amplified. Um, I think this brings back to the days of Brown v. Board education, uh, essentially called for uh, the end of segregated schools. But as a result, parents, specifically white parents, uh, started sending their kids to private schools or private schools started proliferating across the country. Um, so this idea of specific pods where parents specifically in wealthier neighborhoods and communities are able to pay, I'm assuming, I don't know the details, but from what I've seen and heard and read, um, pay teachers and professionals to teach kids in a small group. Um, and at the end of the day, that will only exacerbate the inequities that exist um, in our public school systems at I, I think it's so, so frustrating when that is the case. But at the same time, that is a response to what our government is doing and our leaders are doing. If I, I think it would be important to 
to ensure and to advocate that our state leaders, but specifically our federal leaders, actually provide the funding that's needed to our public school systems to ensure that our students have the resources they need and the resources that our teachers need um, and school support staff need um, to ensure that our students have uh, can access education. Um, and I, I think at the baseline, it's, it's, it's an inherent response from parents who are obviously concerned with their students' learnings and their kids' uh, their kids' learning environments that this is the option that they have, but to each their own. But at the same time, I think it will only exacerbate the inequities that have already existed prior to this pandemic. Listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks as always for your insights for how schools will try to reopen and, and, and get reopened. We always appreciate your student first focus as well. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag. Make sure to catch all the past episodes that have dropped in the last week or so. We've been talking to educators and folks working on this complicated issue from all angles across the country. Those episodes are up now. We dropped five last week and we'll drop some more this week. Get them all the places you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google. They're all there. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.